welcome to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. If you're a first time visitor, I'm Pastor, uh, pastor Ryan, and um, I'm going to be bringing the word this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. 1 Samuel 4, 1 through 11. I'm going to read just a little bit this morning. I read out of the English Standard Version. Um, but every time I say that, I end up using a different version. So <laughs> I think I used a different version this time. So uh, scratch that. Um, but it says, 1 Samuel 4, 1 through 11. <clears throat> now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. They encamped at Ebenezer and the Philistines encamped at uh, Aphek. Uh, the Philistines drew up in line against Israel. And when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. And when the people came to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies. We're going to move down to verse 5. It says, As soon as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel gave a mighty shout, so that the earth resounded. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shouting, they said, why does this great shouting in, in the camp of the Hebrews mean? And when they learned that the ark of the Lord had come to the camp, the, Israel, the, the Philistines were afraid. For they said, a God has come into the camp. And they said, woe to us, for nothing like this has happened before. Woe to us, who can deliver us from the power of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with every sort of plague in the wilderness. Take courage and be men, O Philistines, lest you become slaves to the Hebrews as they had been to you. Be men and fight. Verse 10 says, so the Philistines fought and Israel was victorious. Wait a minute. Defeated. Israel was defeated and they fled home and there was a great slaughter for 30,000 soldiers of Israel fell and the ark of God was captured. I've entitled today's message too much power. And as I was reading this, this passage during my uh, morning devotional, um, right away a sermon came because I was genuinely not expecting to see the word defeated because I had just read that the Israelites brought the Ark of the Covenant of God with them in their battle, meaning that God was with them in the battle, in the storm, in the war, in the darkness. God was with them. And not only that, they recognized the power that they had, and they shouted in faith like the victory was already theirs. And then I read that Israel was defeated. I was thrown off guard. I really thought Israel was going to win. And so, you know, I, I thought, well, that, that doesn't sound right. So I kept on reading, and I read chapter 5, and then I read chapter 6, and then it began to kind of make sense. And then right away, I, I grabbed my laptop, and I wrote half my sermon at 6 o'clock in the morning. I love when the Holy Spirit does that. He just makes my job easy. Um, but you can probably imagine my, my uh, perplexity as to why the Israelites were defeated, because I think the general consensus is that uh, when God is, is for us, who can be against us, right? 
That's, that's what we read in Romans 8:31. If God is for us, who can be against us? But that was my first mistake when I was reading this passage. Because I assumed that, that because God was with them, he was also for them. Those are two different things. For and with are two different things. Sometimes I go with my wife into one of those makeup stores, you know, like Sephora or Ulta. I don't know if men, I don't know if you've ever been there. But like, yeah, there's literally nothing in there for you. And I'm there and I'm with my wife because like, I don't have any other option. Like there's, there's Ulta and there's Bye Bye Baby and like, you know, just a bunch of, you know, junk. Like, I, what, do I, what do I do? So I go inside the store with her, but I'm definitely not for it. I'm like, babe, hurry up, do your thing, and, and let's get out of here. I, I, there's literally nothing for me to do. I'm just there looking at my shoe, you know. So, in other words, you know, God can be with you, but it doesn't mean that he's always for you. And God told the Israelites, hey, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And that's the truth. God is always present. Even when you can't see it, even when you can't feel it, he is there. But just because God is with you doesn't always mean that he's for what you're doing. He's not always for the decisions that you've been making lately. He's not always for the plans that you've made for your, for your future. He's there with you, but he's not necessarily in agreement with you. That's the difference. I don't want God just to be with me. I want, to be for, I want him to be for me. I don't, want, I don't want God just to be with me. I want him to be in me. And, and so the elders of Israel, they made this same assumption that if God comes with us into the battle, hey, the victory's ours. We're going to be victorious. And today in the church, this type of assumption can lead to a very shallow and ineffective and delusional Christianity. Where you just come to church and you wear the name tag of a Christian and you think, well, because I wear the name tag of a Christian, I'm automatically walking in the power of Christ. And sadly, this type of Christianity exists more and more in the church. You thought I was going to. I was going to make it a nice, easy message this morning because we had some friends and family. Nah, nah I'm going to give you the, the truth. And people, people, come, people come to church and they sing the songs and they go through the motions because that's what they see other people doing. And what they're doing is they're walking in the byproduct of what the main product produces, but they're not walking in the product itself. That makes sense. That was a kind of a confusing sentence. Let me say it another way. Maybe you're doing the things that a relationship with Christ is supposed to produce. But you're not doing it because you have a relationship with Christ. You're doing it because that's what you think you're supposed to do. And so maybe you church because that's what you do on Sundays. Sundays is National Church Day. That's what every Christian does in the world on Sunday. They go to church. So you come to church. You get dressed. You get ready. You get your coffee. And you come to church because that's what you do. Maybe you sing the songs um, during worship time because that girl is singing so loudly next to you. You're like, man, let me, let me uh, sing a little bit, you know, so I, I, I look like I'm in it, right? Maybe you volunteer because your friend volunteers and your other friend volunteers and, and you don't want to make it look like you don't help out in the church. And so the things that you're doing as a Christian are, are the things that, that Christianity produces, but you're doing it for the wrong reasons. We don't come to church just because it's Sunday. We don't come to church. We don't, we, don't, we don't worship God just because the person next to me is worshiping God. 
We don't read the word just because that's what you're supposed to do. We do it because we want to go deeper. We do it because we, we want to come into the presence of God because we're hungry and we are thirsty, not just because I'm supposed to do it. How many times do you not do things that you're supposed to do because it's not fun doing it? But when you have a passion for doing it, you don't even have to be asked. That is what it's about. That is what it means to abide in Christ. So God can be with you. Or maybe a better way of saying it is is that you can be with God, but you're doing your own thing. And Jesus said in John chapter 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So when we make the assumption, church, that just because God is with me, it means that he is also for me. Just because God is with me, that means he abides in me. I just want, I want, I want you to imagine you going over to, uh, to a tree that's bare, that, that's bared a lot of fruit, right? Because the fruit is connected to the vine. And, and, and so you're, you're next to the fruit because... It looks good, and, and that's where you want to hang out. And, and so you come to church on Sundays because that's where the party is. And, and, and uh, you, you sing the songs because that's what, that's what you see the fruit doing. And, and you try to emulate, you try to rec- replicate what the, what the fruit is doing. But because you are not connected to the vine, you don't have any power. <clears throat> have you ever bought something that, uh, <clears throat> that you just you knew it was like, it was like the, the most powerful thing? Like it, it was like the like the solution to all your problems and it was so powerful but because you didn't know how to operate it it, it solved nothing like like maybe like <clears throat> like think about the when your parents first got an iphone right <laughs> they uh, they're probably looking at it like where, where are the buttons at you know right and then mija mija come come here download this download this app for me download the bible app for me and because you're a good child, you're like, okay, I'm going to download this for you, but I'm going I'm to teach you how to do it. I'm going to show you how to do it because I'm not going to be downloading that for you every time you want to. Thank you. <clears throat> I, I was having like a coughing attack over there. And so I think my voice is just messed up. So you're like, okay, well, I'm going to show you how to do it. Okay. Because I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be downloading every app for you. So, so you open up the applications app and you read the message. Um, would you like to set up an iCloud account? And you're like, dang it, you haven't even set up an iCloud account. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of work, you know. And it's not, it's not, just, it's not just them, you know. I, I've, I've, been, I've been a victim to this. Um, because with me, it's always software. I always like to get, like, like, the industry standard, the best of the best. Like, if I'm supposed to have it, if the industry says I, I need it, I get it. That's how it is. So, like, I, I remember a few years ago or several years ago um, when I first started getting into, like, photography and I wanted to, I wanted to take my photos to the next level. Um, the industry standard for every, any photographer is Photoshop. So I was like, okay, well, I, need, I, I got to get Photoshop because auto, automatically if I get Photoshop, I'm going to be a pro, right? Like, I, I'm going I'm to take my photos to the next level and I'll be able to do all kinds of crazy stuff and I'll be able to take people's faces and put them on other people's bodies. It's really hilarious. And so I get Photoshop, and I have no idea what I'm doing. No, I, I don't, where are all the photos at? I don't know what I'm doing. It, it was only after hours and hours of, of, of like YouTube videos that I finally figured it out, and I, I didn't learn my lesson. Then I had to have uh, Pro Tools. Pro Tools is, is uh, it's this, what's known as a digital audio workstation. It's, uh, it's a recording software 
All the top dogs use it. Top music producers, top artists, they record on Pro Tools. So I'm like, okay, well, I got to have Pro Tools to take me to the next level. And I remember I got Pro Tools and I didn't even know how to install it. Like it took me like three hours just to figure that out because it was like on, on, online and I needed like a pen and it was, it was crazy complicated stuff. And, and, and I wasted so much time and so much productivity because I had all this, this power, this, this, this tool that it, that produced powerful things, but I didn't know how to use it. So it was powerless. Maybe you've experienced that before, especially men, man. We, we like to buy like those really good tools. Like you remember like Tim, the Toolman Taylor, right? Like he buys like the, the, the top dog machine. He doesn't know what he's doing. It's just too much power. And so, so the Philistines, they see the Ark of the covenant and, and they plot to steal it because they know how much power it possesses. They're working under that same assumption that, it, that, uh, that Israel is. Inside of this ark is the glory and the power of God. The same power that overtook the Egyptians that allowed Israel to walk out of a 400-year enslavement. The same God that sent plagues to the nation of Israel, this, uh, to, to Egypt. The same God who parted the Red Sea. Who does that? That is a powerful ark. We've got to have it. And so they get it. They steal it, and they have this great source of power, but because they don't know how to use it, it begins to work against them. They don't know how to operate it. They don't know what they're doing. That's the thing. That's the thing. When, when, that, that's what happens when you try using something so powerful and you don't know how to use it. It works against you. For me, all the software that I've bought, I mean, I've wasted so much time, so much energy. I ended up having to take classes for the thing that I bought just so I didn't waste my money because I bought this thing and I would never know how to use it. I wasted time and it began to work against me. And so for the, for for the Philistines, the thing that was supposed to bring them so much power ended up crippling them because they weren't prepared to use it. And I wonder how many Christians enter into things that they think will give them power, but because they don't know how to operate it, it ends up being powerless. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's prayer. Prayer is a powerful thing. And if you know God, you know that prayer can produce some pretty awesome things. We know that it can bring people into repentance and salvation. Healing can happen and miracles can happen. Jesus says that to get rid of a demon, you have to do it with prayer. It's a powerful thing. But if you're praying to a God that you don't have a relationship with, those prayers aren't going to be very effective. They're not. And you do it because that's the thing that you do. That's what you see the fruit doing. You see the power that the fruit bears because they're abiding in the power. So you think, well, if I just do what they're doing, I'm going to have the power, but that's not how it works. And so then you, you try to up up your game. So you're like, okay, well, prayer didn't work, so I'm going to start fasting, right? Fasting is one of those things that, that we tend to equate, uh, equate with like, spirituality like if I fast that means I'm super spiritual and if I'm super spiritual that means I'm closer to God listen to me anyone could be super spiritual right anyone can be super spiritual those who don't believe in the same God that we believe in there's some spiritual people right the demons are spiritual don't equate spiritual with Holy Spirit okay 
And, and I was reading another devotional, man, it was crazy. It was all coming together. In Isaiah 58, God rebukes the fasting from the people of Israel because they're doing it wrong. They're fasting incorrectly. If you do it the right way, fasting can be so powerful. If you do it the right way, if you know what you're doing. But God tells them, I see right through your fasting because you're only asking for my provision, not my glory. You're seeking my hands, not my face. You're still wicked. Don't think that just because you're using the powerful tool of fasting that you're going to be victorious. It's only when we know what we're doing and when we know how to operate in this power that powerful things begin to be used in a powerful way. And when we don't know what we're doing, it, it works against us. Case in point, the next chapter, we see what the Philistines are doing with the ark. You're still with me this morning, right? Okay. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, it says, They brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it into the house of Dagon and set it beside Dagon. Dagon was the the god of the Philistines, okay? So they set uh, the god of Israel by the god of, 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 of the Philistines like it was a trophy case. Like, let's just, we're collecting all this power, right? Look at us. But then verse 3 says, And when the people of Ashdod rose early the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and they put it back in his place. But then the next day, behold, Dagon had fallen face downward on the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both his hands were lying cut off on the threshold. Only the trunk of Dagon was left on him. I love this because it's like God is saying, don't put that thing next to me. Like, we're not on the same level. Right? See, Dagon might be a little bit easier to use. He might be a little bit, you know, a little more user-friendly. But that's because I'm so much more capable of anything that Dagon could ever do. Let me tell you something, church. The easier something is, the less powerful it's going to be. The easier something is, and this applies to every aspect of life, the easier something is, the less powerful it's going to have. Reminds me of a, a time when I needed a, a chainsaw for, for my backyard. I needed to cut some, some branches that were overgrowing in our backyard, and I, I didn't have a chainsaw, so I borrowed one of my neighbors, and it was one of those uh, electric chainsaws, you know, where you just plug it in and you turn on the on button and it starts moving up and down like a mechanical toothbrush. And uh, it was easy. It was easy. I plugged it in. She was like, I don't know if it's going to work, but it's pretty easy to use. I plugged it in, turned it on. It was working. I, I couldn't cut anything. I couldn't even cut my finger if I wanted to. <laughs> it was powerless. So I still needed something. So, you know, a couple days later, I, I went to Home Depot and I bought a gas, you know, like a, like a man's chainsaw, and I was super proud of it. And I, but it wasn't that easy because, like, I had to buy other stuff with it, like the bar and chain oil, and I had to dilute the gas, and I didn't know that at first, so I was, like, messing things up. And it took me, like, 15 minutes to get it started. I had to call my brother David here. Hey, man, can you help me out? <laughs> you know, I didn't want to call my dad. I was too, too embarrassed. Um, but, like, then it started working. Like, it, it, was, it was powerful, and see, we're, we're drawn to things that are easy, right? Because they're, they're easy, but there's no power there. Maybe it's easier for you, church, to not really have a prayer life. 
Maybe it's easier just to, just to call on God whenever you need something. Maybe it's easier for you not to get up super early and, and, and do a devotional and, and read the word. Maybe it's just easier for you to, when you have a question, you go to Google or you ask your pastor or something. That's the easier thing to do. Maybe it's easier to put God on the shelf and slap the name tag of Christian and then just bring God out whenever you need something and think that you're going to be victorious because he is with you. That's not how it works. God is too powerful to be reduced to something that only gets use sometimes and incorrectly. That's why he tells the people of Israel, if my people... If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear hear from heaven and forgive their sins and I will hear their land. Only then will they get the power. He says, look, I haven't left you. I'm still with you. I'm still speaking to you. I'm sending messages your way. I'm sending signs your way. I'm sending prophets your way. I'm still with you, but you're not connected to the power, so you're not going to have the power. The Philistines tried so many different things. If we keep on reading, I know we don't have time, but they sent the ark away. They, they, you know, they went to another city and, and it affected the people there in that city. So, so they got together one more time and they said this. It's verse 11. I don't know if I have it up there, but it says, send away the ark of God of Israel and let it return to its own place that it may not kill us and our people. There's just too much power for us. We can't handle it. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're working with. We thought we knew. We thought it was just as simple as, as, as having it in our presence. But this is a God that requires much more than just recognition. It requires relationship. And I'm wondering, church, and I'm about to close. I'm wondering if the people of God can get to this realization that, look, there is no power in the institution of the church without Christ being the cornerstone. There's no power in that. There's no power behind the songs that we sing. They have powerful messages. Powerful messages. But if we're not living in that power, we're powerless. Even the word of God says. Even the word of God becomes powerless when we hear it and we fail to practice it. And church, today, look, God is desiring for every single one of us to walk in the power that he has provided. I want you to think about this. God sent his only son to give us power over sin power over death and then he didn't stop there then he sent his holy spirit to continue sustaining us in that same power the whole gospel message is one of power because it's a message of constant resurrection right where daily i should be dying in my sin but the blood of jesus the grace of god sustains me it continues to resurrect me when i die in my sin i continue going back up So we have a right to this power in so many more ways. Jesus says greater things you will do in my name. So why is it that we are so powerless sometimes? Why is it that Monday through Friday, my stress is greater than my peace? Why is it that my worry and my doubt overshadows my trust and what God can do in my life? Maybe it's because we have placed God on the same shelf where we have our stress, where we have our frustration, where we have our bitter and and our anger, and where those things should fall at the presence of God like Dagon did, we're always right there to pick them back up. No, no. And we abide. 
we abide in our stress. We abide in God, but we also abide in other things. And God is like, look, I stand alone. There is no one greater. There was no one even equal to me. You can't have these things in the same room as I am in. And if we turn that, that, that verse, John 15, 5, on its head, I want you to think about what Jesus is saying. If you won't abide in me alone, then I can't abide in you. If you can't choose me alone, alone, that's the key word, because Christians, we're good, we're good about you know, picking God, but we have a bunch of other things right there on the same room. And God is like, if you won't abide in me, I won't abide in you. And apart from me, you can do nothing. You're powerless. The message this morning is simple, church. If you want to operate in his power, it's here. It's here. The same God, the same spirit that gave power to the early church, that went on to spreading the church all across the world, that same God is here. been offered to everyone but but it takes going deeper it takes a relationship it takes removal of of baggage god will not stand in the same room as our sin and give us the power that he's promised to us church he may be with you but the power of christ comes when he is in you and when you abide in him as you stand. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at primeraiglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.